WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 59, we talk about streetcar, RNC, committees, and special guest Dr. Justin Harlow joins the show. You're listening to the R&D and the QC. They're not even good enough to suck. Welcome to episode 59 of R&D in the QC. 59! We are in here at 8.40 p.m., record-breaking meeting tonight, and uh, we have asked Dr. Howard Justin Harlow. Howard, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Do either of y'all even know my middle name? Cool. Take glad guess. we got. Glad we're all such good friends. Let's see what the comments say. <laughs> yes, uh, unless my mom's like watching that. or my wife's watching, which Terrence? I'm certain they're not. Is it Terrence? Um, <laughs> or, like or a like a Mildred? Is it a Mildred? <laughs> uh, that was closer than Terrence. Like an Andrew. Because I'm white. Kind of. Yeah, I'm okay, just throwing so. out like the whitest dude names I could possibly. Mildred think of. is not a dude name, but uh, <laughs> you got the first three letters right. Good. Well, talk to us. The uh, first three letters on? of Mildred are right. M- Millhouse. Oh, please oh, no, tell me no, it's Millhouse. No. Come on. That would be phenomenal, though. I might change it to Millhouse. Millhouse. It's not well, Milton, we've got Millhouse. That's Milton? great. No, it's Miller. Miller. Um, all right, so we are – this will be a, a short episode, but we wanted to bring uh, Dr. Howard Justin Harlow up here. Dr. Howard. Representative from District 2. Not everyone knows my government name. Uh, AKA, if you saw my basketball email the other day, Hitman Harlow. I like that. And uh, which I will mention that for the podcast too. We talked last year about how we nearly all tore our ACLs mm. trying to play in the city basketball tournament. It's that uh, time again. It's that time again. And the Fab Five has reunited under the uh, tutelage of West Charlotte legend James Smudgy Mitchell. So we've got. Um, You're better than Smudgy at basketball. Well, only because of the age difference. He's older. But I'm better still, though. So we've got (laughs) Smudgy in his prime, Dr. Uh, Howard in his prime. There's no way to know, man. That's like a magic LeBron type argument. Let's not give him that much credit. Well, I I can't think of a better comparison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, it's like a Smudgy Justin (laughs) comparison. So we've got uh, Justin the Hitman Harlow, Mm. Tarek the uh, Pakistani Panther Bakari. Racism just runs rampant with party. Matt Swolebones Newton. <laughs> Braxton, I'm too sexy for my shirt. Winston yeah, he is. and Larkin Eggleston, aka the White Dennis Rodman. So, so are we going to get beat by fire, uh, CMPD, well, so the hope, the or hope Charlotte is, Water this year? The hope is that we don't leave. What well, do we beat Charlotte yeah, Water? We, last did, year? we, we Charlotte smoked Charlotte Water. Charlotte Water. And so the hope is that we don't open with or at any point play any teams from fire or police. And I think we have a chance if we avoid those two departments entirely, which make up half the tournament. I think we will stand a chance at beating some of the other departments. Mm. Uh, we, preferably, are, we are Texas Tech, and fire is who? Whoever's better than Texas one. Tech. <laughs> trying um, to make a Final Four comparison. <laughs> no, no. Larkin doesn't watch that. I don't think we're a three seed in any anybody's bracket. Uh, 
Um, but we brought Justin up here tonight to talk about two things. One, Tark and I last week, I believe, if not, it was the week before we talked about the new committee structure. And uh, Dr. Harlow has taken the lead now on the new committee that we discussed was a merger of like six, seven committees. You basically <laughs> run six or seven committees now. Housing, environment. Congratulations. You're partially responsible for that. That's true. I won't give and you- And by a, partially, you I mean I listen completely. to the podcast, but yes. just partially, though. Not, not all the way. So housing, community, yes. safety, and environment have been rolled into one committee. Uh, Dr. Harlow will be chairing it. Braxton Winston will be vice chairing it. Tell us uh, what the, the new committee is called and um, give us a little preview of what your vision is for how those topics will interact with each other in a more effective way. Definitely. Uh, appreciate you guys for having me on, as always. Thanks for everybody tuning in. Uh, so, you know, Neighborhood Development is the new name of the committee, combining environment, combining housing and neighborhood development, and combining community safety. So I had the pleasure of serving as the chair of community safety for all of two meetings. Um, mm. But we're, we're moving some some great policy conversations through all those committees. Uh, and it's the mayor's goal, and, and, and I share in this, uh, in this vision, and I think a lot of the council shares in this vision, how do we make sure that we're consistently having policy discussions every time committees are meeting. And we're not just getting these slide decks of information that could have been emailed to us um, so we're not wasting time during a lunch meeting and also overworking I mean, the but staff. shouldn't we have a meeting rather than something that could suffice with an email? So – the idea is yes. That's pre- basically exactly. how it's been. <laughs> right. We should have exactly. had a committee that was just called for information only. Yes, yes. And so it's, how do we get beautiful. to more action oriented things faster? Um, and so we with these and a lot of folks are probably wondering, well, why would you combine those three committees, right? And, and we're not trying to take away any type of importance from our priorities. Um, but I think it's more about quality of life issues, right? So when we think about how do we build safe neighborhoods? How do we build neighborhoods where you know health impacts? Uh, we don't have the same disparities across different parts of our community. Um, so that's the environmental component of it. Um, and when we think about the relationship with police or we, even when we think about other community safety type of initiatives such as code enforcement or, 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 or fire, um, all of those things play a role in the quality of life in developing a true community and a true neighborhood. So I think the, the committee's title, Neighborhood Development, kind of encompasses all of those things. And we're going to address you know all types of those fronts because still, we still all have the same priorities that we had before. So the theory is you know, where a lot of the agendas over the last year, year and a half, three years have been heavy on staff, one-way updates for information only. The combination of these important topics will not only, as we've discussed in previous episodes, bring us more to uh, kind of a uh, a horizontal view of, of related topics. Larkin loves it when I say horizontal. <laughs> it's not going to be any fiefdoms anymore. It's horizontal now. But not only that, but it'll also put a lot of important topics that'll be jockeying for agenda time and those that have action are going to come to the top. That's exactly right. Um, and so, yeah, I know you've used the metaphor horizontals and verticals um, and other people in the community. And I think other council members, myself included, have talked about these silos and things of how we, we know that these topics are interconnected. We know that we say that we've campaigned on it. The community speaks to us about it. Um, and we finally have gotten to a place, I think, where we have a committee structure and a policy making or policy recommending group to the council of trying to break down some of those silos so we can start talking about all those things at once and it's not three different groups talking about it and never getting to a point where they where they where they co-mingle so are there, is there is there drama involved i mean anytime you condense or consolidate things that people own fiefdoms there has to be drama right so i mean you know I, i'll speak to this um and larkin probably wants to chime in a little a, bit uh, of it. loaded question <laughs> thanks for thanks for jabbing <laughs> at that one there um if you watched our strategy <laughs> session tonight but uh you know it Yes, the, the reality is that there are two committee chairs that don't have 
chairmanships anymore. Um, and, and the mayor has full purview to, to change and, and manipulate the structures of the committees as she sees fit. Um, you know, for me, my task is, as in my role, is I've tried to be this type of council member to say, how do we get to the policy discussion faster? Um, how do we get to the impact faster? Um, and and that doesn't mean that some of the other fluff and minutia don't matter. Um, but let's be data driven. Let's be evidence based, and let's have those conversations on the front end so we can have a policy recommendation uh, to the full council sooner. And I will say um, too, you said there are two folks who no longer have chairs, but uh, Councilwoman Mayfield does have uh, still a leadership role as the vice chair of the Transportation and Planning uh, Committee, where. I do think that is also very relevant to the housing discussion and to a lot of the things that Councilman Mayfield has expertise in. And so I think she will provide leadership and, and really valuable perspective in that committee. Um, so again, it's just a reorganizing. People it's, seem to have their feathers ruffled about this, though. Yeah, but I mean, people, well, it's like everything that we as, as new council members or as this council have tried to propose in terms of structure changes or the way we want government to operate on a staff side. I mean, anybody, anytime there's any change, anytime you bring in a new department head or you bring in somebody from the outside and they're going to run it their way, it's always going to, people are averse to change by nature. That's the reason that, that we get so many people fighting so many of the rezonings that we get. Right. Nobody likes change by and large. And so um, I don't think it's unusual that people. It's NIMDI, not in my department area. <laughs> Something like that. I think what the, you know, what the community is going to get, what, you know, you said, what's the public's interest in all of this, right? Um, That's it, the crux of this yep, entire thing. Yep. I think it's not it, about vertical fiefdoms <laughs> of what do I control and what's the topic I like. It's what are the outcomes we're going to drive to, which are horizontal in nature. They cover all these cross different areas. Horizontal Larkin. You need a dollar. If I, if horizontal. I had, if I had a dime for every time <laughs> every he said time horizontal, says. vertical, fiefdom, or uh, silo. Chris McLaughlin states. I'd be a millionaire. Chain, Chang is good. 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 I totally agree. I like Chang like too. He changed it. He fixed it. Chang's Chang, a good guy. Change. Uh, Chang is also good. <laughs> I think you're, I think the public's going to get just a better, well-managed government. I think for us, um, whether we're running for re-election or not, we're going to be able to go to the community and say, hey, you know, here are some things that we've done, and you can tune in and say, okay, well, this matters to me now, not, okay, I got it 70 slides later in the PowerPoint yeah. that I tried to get to the point. Well, I, I've said this before, and um, I, I truly believe this is up there in the top couple things that we could do as kind of during this term to leave a really profound legacy on the city. And that is change the way this government operates and change it to be aligned towards the outcomes for the people and the, and the companies and the communities and, you know, all the things that are in those horizontal levels, the outcomes. And that this is the most profound change we can make there. I'm going to get a sound effect that's like a, a coin being deposited in a piggy bank. And every time he says one of his like six buzzwords, we'll press the sound you effect. You would have to have at least something to do with all of the pre, during, and post-production no, work. No, I'll just have it on it's my phone. phone. Oh, <laughs> then that would work. Okay. Cha-ching. Uh, sorry. Um, sorry. So the other reason that we brought Dr. Harlow up here to talk tonight is because what is probably going to be the lead story from a relatively uneventful night tonight oh, so is a discussion and an update we got from – uh, Charlotte Area Transportation System. And it was a, a long discussion. I think every single council member spoke on it because we were, for one, we were covering a, a huge variety of transit huge. topics. Uh, the Silver Line headed east, 
how it will now be we've replaced what used to be a streetcar vision for Wilkinson Boulevard area to the airport and beyond with the light rail that will go to Belmont. We talked a little bit about the red line. We talked about the gold line. We talked about all these things. And so it would have been a long discussion anyway, but there were a lot of things that came out that uh, caught some of us off guard. Um, Tarek will probably talk later in the episode about another news story today that involved our transportation system. But the one that certainly is front and center for, for Councilmember Harlow and I right now and has been for the entirety of our term and probably will be for the entirety of our career in local government, however long it is, yeah. <laughs> is the Gold Line streetcar um, with one phase completed, a second phase under construction, and a third phase for the time being, kind of just a, a vision that doesn't have any, any moving parts yet. So um, there have been delays already, particularly in my district. It's currently being constructed in both Dr. Harlow's district and mine, but the Hawthorne Bridge over Independence Boulevard has been severely delayed. And so there were delays on this project already, and I think that based on what um, Tark has already seen on some media outlets. Yeah, let me online. read the first uh, the first headline. <laughs> Republican convention will delay streetcar construction, pushing opening to 2021, because that's literally the only thing that stood in this project's way. Certainly not any kind of operational challenges. So I think a more accurate uh, painting of the situation would have said, there are a, a confluence of things going on that are causing delays in this project. Um, the RNC certainly poses some complications because there won't be able to be any testing done or construction done anywhere near the arena during the period that that is taking place. But there were certainly already delays. Justin, what uh, has been your, I mean, I complain all the time because of this bridge, but right. what's been your experience with the gold line construction trade street uh, all the way really through like Johnson and Wales under 77 up towards JCSU? Sure. Um, I, you know, it's, it, it, I look at it as twofold, right? So you've got, these really short-term pains for long-term gains is really what it should be. Um, this concept of, yes, we have to dig the street up in order to build the line. Um, and so we knew that that was going to happen. I would say on the whole, that's a good thing. At least the community I represent thinks it's a good thing. And I like to think it's a good thing. Um, however, there are business impacts uh, to it. I'm not so certain that this the same type of impact uh, in the uptown area as it is in the West End Five Points area. Um, we've got businesses at the bottom of Mosaic Village Barbershops and, um, and beauty salons. There's an architectural firm there. Um, and there's detours all around it. Um, and it's just easier to avoid those businesses naturally now um, because it just it's inconvenient. Um, for folks. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're looking for the day when, yes, this can open. Um, but the reality is that, yes, we've had trouble with the contractor, as you clearly know, with the uh, with the Hawthorne Bridge side. Fortunately, we're not building any bridge component to it on, on the on the District 2 side of the line. But but to keep having these, you know, updates every few months or every so often to say, hey, we're a little more delayed, we're a little more delayed, we're a little more delayed. Um, and that leads to cost overruns and cost escalation. Uh, it, it becomes frustrating uh, to go back to the community and say, here's what you're expecting. Here's what your tax dollars are paying for, um, but you're not getting it in a timely fashion. And I've, it's not only business impacts. I've got residents in the Elizabeth community who live near where this bridge construction is taking place and on Hawthorne who are being woken up at midnight, 2 a.m., 5 a.m. Uh, with construction vehicles that are working through the night or getting there earlier than they're scheduled to get there, whatever the case is. Uh, and staging materials in front of their home in the street. I mean, it, it's been um, a huge quality of life issue for a lot of people in the Elizabeth community, and it ultimately probably will be in, in both the parts of your district and mine that would be part of a phase three plan. And so I said tonight, 
I've got so little confidence right now in our ability to, to find a contractor because the contractor on this bridge site has been, has not done a good job yeah. of doing the work uh, well yet. And they've certainly not done a good job of doing the work on time yet. Uh, so until there's someone who can demonstrate to me that they can actually pull this project off in a responsible way, I'm not going to be that inclined to, to want to push the ball forward on phase three. And you said tonight, you really want to see more details on phase three because you feel like it's kind of falling behind the priority list. But until we know we've got somebody who can actually build the damn thing, I don't know how much interest I've gotten that. And, and, and I think it's an important point at some point in time, all these stories pile up earlier today. We had the story we learned Friday that cats is between 1.6 and $6 million either over budget or probably more fairly said um, they, they were caught by internal audit in, in doing some things from a contracting and uh, procurement perspective that wasted that amount of taxpayer dollars. At, at some point in time, you, you can't just keep pointing at, oh, the contractors aren't doing it right anymore. You got to say, what the hell is going on inside CATS? Well, and at some point too, and I, I've made this point to the manager and will continue to, we have got to create a system. And I know there's some constraints in terms of state law that we have to go with the lowest bidder, lowest qualified right. bidder. But at some point, we need to be able to say we have a track record, we have a history with certain contractors, or, or not even just construction projects, any vendor. If it's a food vendor, whoever it is, at some point, we've ought to be able to say the quality of work or the timeliness of the work has not been satisfactory on a number of occasions with a certain company that we are contracting, and we will no longer consider them a viable bidder. I totally agree with you. And I want to speak to the budget point of it a little bit. Um, and and for those that yeah don't know about what's going on, try to try to go around Hawthorne's Pizza um, uh, over there and uh, as you snake through Elizabeth and, and see kind of what's going on there. Yeah, that- Every time I go over to buy my patchouli, literally it's like so hard to get to. Larkin, how do you do it? Tark still doesn't understand the difference between hippies and hipsters, <laughs> but we're, we're working on it. But but while while there's a lot of mess going on with the contractor, um, and if phase three ever did happen, a bridge there would be a bridge component, actually two bridge components over the Brookshire and over eighty five. Uh, so that that's a totally different conversation. But Have what, fun with what that. I keep yeah what I keep pressing on is and, and my disappointment today with John Lewis, our our executive director of Cats, was. We've heard all these stories recently over the past month or two about the Silver Line and the study that's happened to say, hey, we now have a corridor through West Boulevard, or Wilkinson rather, um, that we're going to be sending, planning to send light rail to the airport, even across uh, the Catawba River into Belmont and down Independence to, uh, to the Matthews area and possibly to Stallings. And then we just recently over the past week or so heard these new reports that Pineville is kind of trying to reconsider. Um, their original plans when the original blue line was being built um, or being planned out, Pineville had nothing, didn't want anything to do with uh, the blue line um, coming down that way, uh, which is really an entryway into the Ballantyne um, community. And now they've kind of, I would say, gotten smarter about it and, and, and they're you know entertaining that idea saying, how do we get extension of the blue line coming that direction? I'm totally for all of that. Um, but what I don't want or what, what I've been hearing is we're having a lot of conversation about that. And the goal line, phase three, whether you like it or not, has been in the plans already. Um, so at least give us some analysis around that so we can have informed decisions uh, moving forward while we're also talking about whatever the price tag is for the silver line or blue line um, down into Pineville. But you got to get to a point where you're like, 
how much do you trust anything that happened in this city between 2010 and 2015 or before? I mean, I'm almost at that point right now. These are the same plans that brought us thing hits like that cynical. Hits like <laughs> the, the cross Charlotte Trail and others. So I, at, 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 at the, my first gut reaction right now is this has been piling up in a, for a year and a half where I just have, have scratched my head and asked questions. Why is this happening? And at some point, we've got to figure out a way to address that head on. And then secondly, I think this is more macro point is, you know, I, I feel like we have made a lot of mass transit, transit investment decisions on the premise of what their transit impact is, when in reality, it's been pure economic development plays. Well, and maybe long term, well, there's I, a transit play. Once and, I, and, I would, and I would prefer place, us to say that. Let's just say it. Right. Let's stop messing around and start prioritizing it with other economic development spends and not pretend under the guise that it's some magical transit bullet no. that's going to solve anything in the near term. It's, because well, the, the numbers just don't show that. Light rail, certainly, it's far more complicated than that. We have sure. tens of thousands of riders a day. So, I mean, sure. the idea that that is... It's a true people mover. Right. The idea that that is, is simply an economic development. Now, we might be looking at routes and considering the economic development implications of a, a one route versus another. Light rail is a people mover with a dedicated or, or a uh, reliable travel time because there's not you're not in traffic like a streetcar is going to be oh man come so, on dude what i mean the difference between yes light that rail is a fact but if you look at the stats the ridership stats this is all about no the ridership is, stats are pretty decent are they i mean i'm not saying they're better than they said they'd be all i'm saying is if you had to say which was more impactful what this has done for transit in charlotte or economic development which one would you say but also with 60 people a day moving here it I'm will not, become I more already, and more I, of a I need. it by saying long term once this entire system is there sure but, but I'm, I'm a, saying now in this short and I'm going to jump in and play the middle a little bit. And so if you remember a couple weeks back at the budget session and, and they talked about other possible ways of how do we fund the rest of the plan, right? 2030 plan. And, you know, one of the suggestions, or not a lot of suggestions, but one was increase the sales tax that already funds some of this stuff. And keep in mind, I want I want listeners to know that the streetcar is not funded by sales tax. Um, the streetcar is funded purely from city property tax dollars. The light rail Another thing we is funded. About tonight. The light rail is funded all by, uh, by yeah, that quarter cent sales tax and the possibility of looking at, and I think we learned today that what, Every every quarter or every fifty cent funds like two hundred million dollars or something like that, but it's also cost basically two hundred million dollars per mile. So all of that, and then you know the other thing that everyone keeps running over is this value capture. Um, and so when you say, hey, how yeah. do we capture the value of all the economic development around the blue line, for instance, and and use some of those dollars to seed make it, it more self-sustaining and seed yeah. it back in? Um, I actually like that model. Oh, 100%. Um, it's a I slippery slope. It is a slippery done slope. right, it could That's be right. very powerful. That's right. And so how do we think about, you know, and th there's a separate, there's a different value capture in off of a gold line, right? The, the development around streetcars is very different than, than around than around light rail. We just we have all, to toll but, South Charlotte. Every street in South Charlotte. That April Fool's. I saw that. That's my, that's my friend from Oakland <laughs> yeah. Park chiming in there. But, uh, well, one thing we haven't <laughs> been able to see yet is what economic development around the streetcar actually looks like because our current streetcar alignment is through so much institutional use with CPCC and the hospital and stuff like that. We haven't really seen what that can look like yet in terms of the investment it can generate. So that's, I think the jury's still out on that one a little bit. Definitely. I think, you know, I, I know a couple of council members mentioned today, it feels like a setup a little bit. We're getting we're getting kind of rused into this conversation of, oh, yeah, maybe sales tax coming to help fund it. Um, 
which which I'm not so certain that we should be taxing all communities at least to fund lines that they might not have direct access to. But that that's a separate conversation. No one different th- than tolls from South Park, I guess. One mm. other thing that was mentioned tonight that uh, I don't know about you guys, but I hadn't really heard was there will be a se- segment of time, six to eight months, where the Gold Line streetcar will be offline and supplemented with a but with a bus connector. So that the platforms at the stops of the current alignment can be raised to accommodate the new streetcar, the new modern streetcar that will go into effect when phase two is complete. Um, I mentioned to the ma- the manager today, and we'll continue to urge him that if we already have to be offline during a period of time around the RNC, and it's not the project won't be completed, that we maybe look to do that work during at that time, time period, so that we're not offline twice uh, when we could be offline once. But that w- I don't know about y'all, but I'd not heard that part either. Well, just, we that just makes too much. That just makes too much sense, offline. But I think for the R and D and the QC listeners who tune in to get one a view that they can't get elsewhere, but two, the news ahead of the news breaking the next day, you're going to see probably on every uh, outlet tonight and in the morning, the lead story from today's meetings is that RNC delays uh, the uh, the the gold line, and that is just not the case. And not only is it not the case, uh, but I'm going to as we all will probably do a little digging tomorrow. And I will not be surprised if I find out that narrative was stretched so far that it doesn't even resemble the truth it started. From. Let me, let me speak to that one. Just as someone as the, I guess the only one in the room who voted against the RNC, um, th- that is just flat wrong. And the, the media headlines are out there. I've seen it on Charlotte observer, I've seen it on WFAE. Um, someone else has probably picked it up. And so I don't want that to be there, but I want the community to understand, Hey, you know, yes, the goal line will be delayed. And that is, uh, that is more contractor related than anything else. Um, it just so happens that the delay will be occurring in, in the same timeline and fashion as the RNC. Um, I, 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 it's a complicating factor, yes. but it's not the lead. It's not the lead factor. But yeah. Not only that, to your point earlier, they probably still won't even be done by then, right? So, Well, the, the stated projection... To get to a stated, testing point. The stated projection for the end of construction that we were given tonight that would then lead us into a time where we start testing the, the infrastructure, uh, which is legally required. We have to test it consecutively, and it has to be it has to work perfectly for 30 or 60 or 90 days, depending on uh, the circumstances. But that was still stated to us tonight as April, 2020. Uh, and I've got a good chunk of money. I'm willing to bet with anybody who wants to take that bet that we're not done with construction on phase two and ready for testing in April, 2020. I don't think we'll be ready to the fall. I'm going to start back up construction again over on Hawthorne until late fall or early winter of this That's year. Right. So, I mean, at best, you start that in October, and it still takes a year. I, I don't, I don't see them finishing <laughs> that. People in six around months. here need to, on the whole, and not everyone's like this, but on the whole, need to be more transparent. And when they make a mistake or there is a problem, they need just to own that thing. And that just doesn't happen around here. Well, I th- I, and I think John Lewis is feeling that, and the manager too tonight. Um, I, I think that <laughs> yeah. our, our line of questioning tonight to him, and and I would invite anyone to go back and watch, you know, just the cats update part. Um, and not trying to put anybody under a microscope, but you know, when we think transit is a big portion of our investments here. I mean, it's a large, large portion of our investments. Um, and so we we've really got to, to hold those feet to the fire to say, look, if we're going to invest billions of dollars here. 
Um, we've got to make sure and, and then have a plan for more billions of dollars of spend. Uh, we've got to know what, what we're getting out of that. Um, and, and as I could question a lot, what's the true dollar amount? What's the amount? And if we can't say that yet and we've had this plan out for a decade now, um, that's an issue. Um, when we also keep getting these these you know messages from engineering and property management that if you don't have the scope you know tied up the cost overruns you know just run all the way over well we already have some stuff in the pipeline here like gold line phase three so give me the dollar amount tell me what it is um, I can't go to my community you know later this fall and say hey vote for me without having that conversation totally Larkin we've gone way over our first plan so let's make this the whole episode is there anything else you want to jam in there now we got a solid waste update. We got an airport update. Oh, we talked about um, it, the cats update. It was a solid waste update. Dudes. Um, aviation update. We we have the most rocking we, chairs in the world of any airport. We we you gave up a, the rocking chair number out there. We gave a nearly unanimous head nod to the manager to approve our agreement with Lisk. Which Who said we, that? Who didn't nod? Yes. One of our colleagues. <laughs> Um, really, I thought everyone not the one who had been. Uh, I can imagine who it is, but the one who had been frequently questioning the arrangement with Lisk. You're good. Um, <laughs> that was an inside joke. You have to go back and watch the whole <laughs> oh, yeah. meeting to catch that one. <laughs> that was funny. Um, <laughs> but so the manager and the manager had the authority to do that, but obviously wants to know that he has the support of the majority of council. He does. We've had that Lisk presentation four times now. Mm. Uh, if if you folks, know, I need if folks to don't see like it, it one more time, if folks don't like it or don't understand it, and I think there's a little. Oh, bit it of, still doesn't make any sense. But I've seen it well, four times, so I'm good to go. Then you're, you're not going to like it, and you're not going, or you're not going to understand it. So uh, let let everybody else move forward yeah. and stop seeing it. Because again, back to our committee discussion, we don't need to see things four and five times uh, to be able to make decisions on them. So there was that. Anything else you've got, Justin? Hey, man. I mean, what was his middle name again? His, his first name. Oh, Howard. Is Howard. Howard. Oh, Howard. H.J. Howard. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, <laughs> y'all are crazy. Um, look, this is, um, I think, you know, it's budget season. Um, folks folks have to understand that I want the community to know at least, you know, while we have a $2.6 billion budget, only about 25% of that has is is true kind of flexible ish type of dollars so much of our dollars are being spent in ways that we can't we can't just cut services and things like that to various parts of the community uh so i know a lot of folks are out there saying what's well, budget time you guys can just do whatever you want uh with with two point two and a half billion dollars uh it doesn't quite work that way we have a lot of enterprise funds that self-sustain themselves water solid waste the airport um and so but look look ahead some new programming coming like we surprised you with aging in place some new stuff coming ahead is, is this one is this year going to be about cutting taxes maybe could we do that one like you guys your thing last year maybe this year we cut taxes that's guys? what revenue neutral is about it's about lowering the tax rate no well we're lowering the tax <laughs> rate either way the rate you guys are so creative <laughs> Look, with so your wording things are you've got you've probably got the momentum to get to revenue neutral but you, you always you always try to get more you need to focus on what's an attainable goal and if you can get Justin support for revenue neutral. You guys are so neutral, kind to let me like have a seat at the table still. We really are. Like, I appreciate I mean, you guys. But just wait because the county might not allow us to be revenue neutral. Oh, they're, they're, they're not going to at this point. What, do you, even, they, what do you even mean they're not going to allow us to be? Well, we can't as control a city, what they do. As, as a city or what at I, us? What, I, what I'm understanding is that if they raise it enough, oh, yeah. we have to. Uh, we lose. They, that would have to be a huge it, raise on their side. But Possibly. that's all right. We, we'll go out Possibly. and cut some cut some services. Just saying. Right? 
if they're trying to get in the affordable housing game, they're trying to play catch up on parks and greenways. I'm curious to see what the county manager presents to the commissioners and then what they do with it. So, hey, did y'all see Kevin Sears last? Uh, uh, I wonder what the right hand's doing. I wonder what the right hand's doing. Anyone who didn't see that, go check it out. It's fairly it funny. Was, it was a holding in one hand. The the person was supposed to represent the county commission. It was holding in the left hand a sheet that said all the things they want to do or affordable housing plus affordable housing, which is, you know, and that's great. It, we need more help there. The right, area, but like, the right hand, it said tax increase. And the, the left <laughs> hand was saying, I wonder what the right hand's doing yeah. over there. <laughs> it's um, painful, man. So well, good. It's well, going to continue to be an interesting discussion, but I, I, I think that, uh, I think that you should Let probably focus your energy on the, uh, on the revenue neutral and stop trying to think that we're going to, we're going to go revenue negative because that's, that's probably not real. That's not going to happen. Well, let's keep talking about it. We'll see. It's not. I mean, just like other things, let's some do things it. don't need to be talked about five times when they've been pretty well put to bed. No, we more, watch more every for aging in place four times at a minimum before we make any so decisions. So now making that case for information only. Information only. We'll do it. Can y'all talk about the sheriff? Sure. Did y'all talk about the sheriff? Last Go for week? it. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about him anymore. I'm just asking. Well, no. I mean, what do you guys say? <laughs> Depends. Are you going to make know, news right now? Sheriff in South Park. Are you here, running right? for sheriff? <laughs> no. <laughs> you going to bring back 287G? No. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Um, yeah, we can talk about the sheriff. Um, and actually, I, I got to, to be with him this morning. This was a really cool thing that everyone will agree on. The uh, jail North actually opened a barber school today. The first barber school in a jail in North Carolina. There's one in a prison. But uh, in the jail, there's five chairs, five students, and it's for youthful offenders 16 to 18 years old. They'll be trained with work skills that they can then go out in the community. And that's a that's a profession where there's a not so much of a barrier to entry if maybe you have um, some mistakes in your past. These guys will now go out as certified barbers. If they age out of the program or, or, or out of um, detention before they finish the program, they can transfer those credits. It's an accredited school. So that's a really cool so way. So they've had time to focus on all these things plus all their other initiatives. Well, there's, there's more than, than like a dozen people that oh, are in the sheriff's okay. department, so they can walk and nah, shoot it sounded the like time. a good program. It really is. And, and you should like it. I mean, it's, I it's workforce development. It's, that's right. it's transitioning people from, um, you know, paying their, paying their dues on a mistake that they made into a mm-hmm. productive member of society in the workforce. Uh, Dr. Harlow, I believe you were referring to the fact that people <laughs> in certain outer reaches of Mecklenburg County don't feel like speed limits apply to them. Well, they don't. I was referring right? to that. <laughs> like everyone knows, that there's no such thing as speed limits in South. But Park. in Cornelius, That's part of like the deal. That's part of the discussion about the there. Cornelius speed trap that was set up by the sheriff's office, which admittedly is unusual, but no one mentioned like. By the way, you didn't get pulled over if you weren't speeding. Wait, but that that that's not the point, right? The and the broader point is point. it's kind of the point. <laughs> it's Everyone, at least part of the point. Exercising his his law enforcement rights to set up a speed trap anywhere in the county jurisdiction and only pull over people who are breaking the law. No one ever said that was a problem. I thought you were a law and order guy. No, well, I'm good with that. <laughs> if you are breaking the law, I am good with that, but it was more about the 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 egotistical manner in which the conversation then occurred it's like hey maybe could have given you more a heads up just for coordinating amongst law enforcement agencies but you know this is something where people are breaking the law it's a safety thing let's do it 
100% behind that. Which was then only matched by the ego of trotting him out in front of the Cornelius Town Council I, I, and berating I, I think, him for doing I, exactly. it. Exactly. I think we also have to, to think me. about the image of what that what that looks like. And, and, and even from a historical standpoint, of let me almost summon you, right? You come down here to me and you answer all of these questions. Like, this is a... Like he owes them right, something. Right, right. But this is, the, this is the kind of thing that I see going more and more. And, and our my phone died, so the live stream is now ended. Um, but uh, we're still recording. Uh, but at the end of the day, how is it, how is it good, a good thing to keep escalating, um, these battles in between agencies? It starts with ice and then ice goes out of the jail because 287G and then maybe they're having repercussions or maybe they're doing their job but then now the sheriff goes out and does this and then this kid i mean but what would the narrative have been where does this turn into what would the narrative have been if the speed trap was on Beatty's ford road in justin's district or in or monroe road in my district and people had started complaining about it can you imagine the law and order people that's right how how many comments would have been online about well maybe if you'd stop breaking the law you wouldn't get a ticket like no one would have thought that was there was anything. I'm not wrong certain there would be a story at all because there's speed traps all the time over there, and I think that's part of the conversation. This is this is I, I I have no problem with the fact that there are speed traps. In fact, the more the merrier because people are speeding all over the place around here. What I'm saying is this looks, smells, and feels like an es- a, 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 an escalating cold war between agencies and between people with different agendas, so, and it's just unhelpful. What's good for thee is not good for me. Is what it feels like to me. <laughs> yes, look, I'm exactly good, dude. Like. They were in South Park, right down the street from my house, and I was glad to Fun, see him. Funniest there. online comment was uh, Ray McKinnon I saw asked Tarek if he uh, if he made it through the uh, the invasion <laughs> I of see the County Sheriff's Park. I marked myself and, safe. And Tarek said, uh, <laughs> "Mark me as safe." <laughs> so that was funny. That All was right. Well, I wasn't trying to throw your. Uh, your timing of it off. I just didn't know if y'all, y'all talked we about it. Not in the had past. About the we had not had I was trying to speed us out of this one because I knew my phone was about to die, but it's good. It died anyway, so we're good. Yeah. Mine's dead too. So who knows what all those people are doing just staring at a blank screen? They keep, they're still <laughs> and now And now they're going to say something like, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, right my, when they started talking you know about the sheriff, they cut look, it off. Look at the image that it froze on for Larkin. <laughs> Very animated. It's animated. Why are they still commenting? I don't know, man. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, none of this is making sense to our audio-only listeners. But um, yes. So next week, Tark, you will be out of town, and so in lieu of our normal situation, for I'm out of town the, episode, the next two weeks. Next two weeks. So, but don't worry, R and D listeners. We have come up with a solution for next week. Yep. Uh, and we'll probably try to come up with a solution for the following. But next week's episode, we'll record at the end of this week. We are going to sit down with the three uh, main candidates for Councilwoman Mayfield's District 3 seat. She, as we have talked about uh, before, is running for an at-large spot now uh, against Justin, the four Justin, who are you endorsing? No comment. And so there are three folks who are out in full-fledged campaign mode uh, to backfill Councilwoman Mayfield's seat. Uh, three good folks. Uh, who I've I've had the pleasure of knowing over the last couple Definitely. of years. Got some really we have good invited candidates. each of them in individually, and we'll take 10 or 15 minutes with each of them to talk about who they are, what their vision is for District 3, and what they think they'd bring to council. We'll package that up and put that out 
on Monday probably and uh, let people start to get to know the District 3 candidates. And I think we'll probably end up doing the same as District 4 candidates start to emerge. That'll be the other open seat, and uh, we'll want our listeners. And if we get Republican candidates in either of those districts, District 3 is unlikely to have a Republican candidate. District 4 certainly might. Um, I think then we'll bring those folks in as, as that field starts to shape up. But the District 3 field is pretty well set, I think, at this point. Yeah. And so we want voters, wherever they live in Charlotte, to know who they have as an option for their future representative. And so I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait. And uh, and then we'll figure out what we do on week two that Tarek's gone. But uh, we won't leave you hanging for two weeks. Let's do it, guys. Well, Thanks doctor, for having me, guys. it's Appreciate been it. a pleasure having you on here. As always, insightful views. And as the person taking over all of the committees, it's good to have an in with you. It's good to be friends with you. Amen. Horizontals, horizontals. Horizontals <laughs> only. All right. Final words, Larkin. Over and out. Over and out, ladies and gentlemen.